This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Stocks for beginners. How much can you afford to lose before you're losing too much? And very often, there are servers that ask people, how much do you think you could afford to lose in the stock market? And very often, people underestimate, underestimate the amount. So, you know, they're more optimistic to think about how much they can lose. But when it really happens, when the S hits the fan, they're in much deeper trouble than they profess to be. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. There's a long-standing axiom, let your profits run and cut your losses early, designed to guide investors toward a successful trading strategy. But where are we at the moment when many of our stock picks are underwater? Hello, Stanley. Hello, Phil. Good to see you again. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good to see you again. Stanley was a guest on the podcast in March and his psychological insights resonated strongly with me. I felt almost like I was on the couch. (laughs) Dr. Stanley Teitelbaum is a clinical psychologist and psychoanalyst who for more than 35 years has helped clients examine and overcome their emotional problems and interpersonal conflicts. His latest book is Smart Money, a psychologist's guide to overcoming self-defeating patterns in stock market investing. So, we're looking at a uh, quite a significant downturn in the markets at the moment since we last spoke. What are the emotions that investors are feeling at the moment? I think it's a really scary time for most investors. And uh, I know we spoke back in March, and since then, it's been an accelerating decline with some interspersed good days, like today happens to be a very strong day. But it's important not to be fooled by that because the trend is definitely downward. And just as a matter of fact, April, I think we talked in March, April was like the worst April for the stock market since 1940. That's like 82 years. This was the worst April since 1940. And May was even worse. And June until now is also worse. So we're in a significant decline. And I think for the most part, people are feeling scared, maybe bordering on terror. They don't know what to do. They don't know who to turn to. They don't know what kind of advice to get. And oftentimes the advice that they do get is not necessarily the best advice. So people are in a, are in a tough spot. And it depends very much on you know, what their financial situation is, whether they've taken any taken any losses thus far or whether they've decided to stay in for the long haul, all of this is very dependent on each person's um, profile and, um, and risk appetite. So what do you think is the worst reaction at the moment and um, what should listeners guard against in terms of not losing too much of their capital? 
Well, they've already lost a lot of their capital. So, you know, just to give you a couple of um, quick statistics here, this is important because if we're in a downtrend, as we are, let's call it what it is. It's not just a downtrend. It was a correction. And a correction is defined by a loss of, you know, between 10 and 20%. And then it's no longer a correction. It is a legitimate bear market, which is defined as a drop of at least 20%. So what we need to consider, what we all need to know are some hard and painful facts about bear market, about bear market cycles and bear market history. So bear markets are not necessarily very unusual. There have been 15 episodes since 1926. That's a very important year because we measure gains and losses that's the point when uh, more complete records start to be kept on what's happening in, uh, especially in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And since 1926, there have been 15 episodes of at least 20% declines, meaning that there have been at least 15 bear markets in that period of time. Now, what's important to uh, elaborate a little more about is that on average, the total loss from the peak in every bear market, the average has been almost 35%, 34.8% has been the average loss at a bear market. We are now, as of yesterday, I think probably down around 24%, according to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. So that means we're still significantly short of the average, which means there's a room for one or more additional down legs. So that's scary. That's, you know, it's all very scary. It's not like we're not scared enough already, but the scary may become even more like terror. The second point worth mentioning, and people don't want to know this, don't want to hear this, but the painful truth, again, talking about averages, the painful truth is that the average duration of the decline until a bottom has been reached from the top to the bottom. The average duration of a decline until the bottom is 264 days. That's like, what is that? Two thirds, three quarters of a year. So that doesn't just change very quickly. And the time required to recoup the losses after a bottom has been reached, and we don't know yet where the bottom is, is something like 567 days. That's like a year and a half, year and three quarters before the losses that have been incurred in the bear market can be regained. You know, I always say to people and I say to you, this is all about probability. You know, investing in the stock market is always about probability. If you're trying to become more successful, you want to follow certain guidelines, certain principles, which will give you kind of a heads up on the probability of doing better than if you didn't have any of those guidelines or principles. So it doesn't always happen according to the probabilities, but it's useful to have those probabilities in mind and to follow them so that you have a, a pretty clear guide. So to answer your question, again, what are people feeling now? For the most part, they're feeling scared. And if we have, and, and we've down only 24%, into this bear market. If there's another leg down, what happens after scared? I think at some point, scare becomes terror. And at some point, 
it seems to affect people who sleep over this. People are losing a lot of money. People are lost in what to do. Most people or many people have a deer in the headlights kind of reaction to it because they get frozen. They feel they're down so much already. So maybe it's too late to start to sell. But if they stay in, probability is that they're going to lose even more. So it's a lot of a lot of scary stuff out there right now. And uh, we should date stamp this. We're talking on the 21st of June, 2022. And um, just so that listeners know exactly where we are in the cycle as we speak. And off air, I was just mentioning that um, I was speaking the last time we had a major downturn, which was back in March, 2020. And a great investor that I know, and I was experiencing the terrors myself at the time. And I said, how are you feeling? And he just said, situation normal, going to go and play some golf. <laughs> Again, I think, though, this is the point because um, we're going to come to this in the questions that you have to have a process in place. And the process basically protects you from um, too much of a, a downside. And this investor has a process in place. So when markets hit certain key points, he just sells and basically he's out of the market and then he's got another indicator which tells him the time to start getting back into the market. But many investors at this stage don't have this process in place. So is it better for them just to wait things out right now? No, you know, I always think uh, knowledge is power. It's useful to have knowledge. Friends are asking me, people that I play golf with, people that I play tennis with, and they know that I'm into this uh, area and I've written the book Smart Money. And they say, well, my money doesn't seem very smart right now. What should I be doing? And I said, well, what are you doing? More than not, the people I'm talking to, the people that are approaching me on this are saying, you know what? I'm not even looking. I'm not even looking. I used to look at CNBC every day or several times of the day. I don't even want to look now. I'm not looking at my portfolio. I used to check my portfolio regularly, they say. I'm not even checking my portfolio right now. I don't want to know. I don't want to look. Now, in a way that's useful to the extent that it shields them from feeling too much anxiety because to look or to see and to know and to watch the downdrift and the downdrift go further and further during a bear market, it could be overwhelming and terrifying. So in a way, it protects them from not having to feel too much of anxiety. On the other hand, it's useful in a sense to be able to identify your anxiety, to be able to say to yourself, yes, I am very anxious right now. And the reason I'm anxious right now is because I'm losing a substantial chunk of my assets. And that's a good reason to feel anxious. But the knowledge is to be able to tell yourself that there is a cycle there's a bear market cycle, and it's like there's a pendulum between the bull market and the bear market. And the pendulum, and I think maybe we touched on this once before, that since 1926, the average gain in the stock market has been 9.6%. That's almost 10%. Now, that's pretty good. That's pretty nice. However, in any given year, it's quite unusual that there is a gain or a loss between 9 and 11%. That's somewhat rare and unusual. So the average over almost 100 years is almost 10%. But in any one given year, it's rare. It's seldom that it's 9% 
or 10% or up to 11%. So what, what does that mean? What that tells us is that the market tends to overshoot and overshoot the average. If the average is 9.6%, but it's not happening in any given year, like last year, I think the Dow was up something like 28%. So that was a significant overshoot of the average. Right now, so far in 2022, we're down 24% according to the Dow. So that's a significant undershoot. So over time, there's usually what we call a reversion to the mean, meaning it comes back to where, quote, it should be somewhere in the 9.6-10% range. But that's not happening now. It may not happen for a while. And if we're in a bear market, but according to the statistics that I gave you a moment ago, that's going to take some time. But to know that it's a cycle is kind of in some way calming to know that you're not going to go to zero. And in any 20-year period in the history of the stock market, in any 20-year period, there's never been a time, not even once, where during the course of 20 years that the Dow Jones Industrial Average has shown a loss for 20 years. So in a way, that's comforting to at least tell yourself we're in the cycle and there is a cycle. And right now we're in the uh, teeth of the bear and we may get even more so, but that will over time play out and change and get back. And at some point, as happened in the last 10 or 11 years, we were in a colossal bull market where the uh, averages were overshooting every year. And it was a great time. It was a happy time. I used to sing that old uh, song from uh, the Depression. Happy days are here again. You know, <laughs> zippity doo da. <laughs> <laughs> happy days are here again. So that was great. But that was then, and this is now. So there will be this overshoot, and there will be this undershoot, and that's what's happening. That's what's happening right now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. In terms of your own personal process, and we'll get to that, what that personal process is, you believe that um, if you limit your losses and uh, take your gains when they arrive, that um, this process will get you through any kind of market. How are you finding that personally for yourself at the moment? Are you in or out? Well, it's really rather mixed. And I would like to be able to say that I'm really well protected. But the truth is that I've lost a lot. And the reason that I've lost a lot is because whatever I haven't sold has continued to go down along with everything else. You know, there is what I call a G factor, meaning a general factor, that whatever is happening in the general market affects most all of the stocks in the same direction. So I try to have a rule for myself. Let me preface it by saying my mantra, one of my major mantras is cut your losses 
cut your losses, cut your losses. You know, in the real estate, it's location, location, location. When it comes to the stock market, I believe in cut your losses, cut your losses, cut your losses. Now, I try to um, have a limit that I'm willing to take a uh, willing or reluctantly willing to take a loss of like um, somewhere between 10 and 20%, no more than 20%. If I had a gain or if I bought a stock and then somehow I now have a loss of 20%, very often I'm out. More recently, since the last few months, I would say it's been less than 20%. It's been more like uh, 10%. So I see a loss of 10% and I get out. So the reason I'm telling you that is that although I have suffered significant losses, what also comforts me is that I've had a number of investments that I made that I sold at the 10% level of loss or slightly more than 10%, and I'm out of those. And those have continued to decline more and more and more. So whatever my losses are, they would be that much greater if I had not followed that principle that is very meaningful to me. Cut your losses, cut your losses, cut your losses. And the reason for that is because it's very usual, not only in a bear market, but in any stock investment you make that turns out to be a bad investment. You think you're making a good investment and maybe for all kinds of reasons that happened or you weren't aware of when you made the decision to buy, things have gone south instead of north. And to be able to say to yourself, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. And instead of holding and holding and holding, and we can talk, I know that's one of the things you want to talk more about later, and I'd be happy to do that, to be able to admit to yourself that I was wrong, that I made a mistake, and I need to be able to have a principle. And the principle is, what is the comfort zone? What is the level it goes to risk appetite? And one question every investor should ask himself before they invest in anything is, how much can I afford to lose? How much can I afford to lose? And some so-called experts on the stock market say, you know, it's even less about winning. It's more about protecting your losses. How much can you afford to lose before you're losing too much? And very often, there are servers that ask people, how much do you think you could afford to lose in the stock market? And very often, people underestimate, underestimate the amount. So, you know, they're more optimistic to think about how much they can lose. But when it really happens, you know, when the S hits the fan, they're in much deeper trouble than they profess to be. Back to the cycle for a moment, the cycle, and this is why it's important to recognize you're feeling anxious, but the, the cycle will tell you that in a bear market, there is terrible fear, dread. And then when we run through the cycle from bear to bull, it goes from dread. The next phase is relief. And then there's a phase of hope. And then there's a phase of excitement and exuberance when things start to turn in a better direction. And then ultimately, in the context of a bear market, there's euphoria. So that's kind of the whole cycle. So when we're in the extreme 
part of the cycle right now, which is fear and dread, other than just not looking at my portfolio, it's helpful to know I'm in the midst of that part of the cycle that is the worst part and that it will change and the sun will come out again at some point. <laughs> and that's the most difficult part psychologically is managing these emotions. And um, some people like yourself use golf or tennis to help with this. You know, I'll go to the beach and go for a swim or so forth. But it's really important to have some techniques in place to help you not so much manage your emotions because, you know, emotions can't be managed, but at least to help you deal with these emotions. Do you feel that's the case? It's important to have some, some way of dealing with these emotions? Yes. And also another reason why I think it is important is because it gives you a sense of control. You know, you could say things are terrible right now and own up to the fact that I'm really feeling scared, dread or terror, but I'm not going to sell. I'm not going to sell my positions right now. They've gone down so much already. I'm afraid to sell now. And there are all kinds of reasons why people back away from that. But when you look at that, at least you have some control, meaning that you're making a decision. If you're making a decision, I'm not going to sell. I'm just going to hold. And that's probably the majority of people right now is what they're doing. They're making a decision. And when you're making a decision, at least gives you some sense of control over your portfolio rather than feeling totally at the mercy of the whims of what may be happening. And I think that's a useful thing to know. I think it's uh, quite heartening as well because I hear from a lot of younger investors that have um, had a lot of their education online over the last few years. And they understand the long-term nature of investing. They understand dollar cost averaging. And they've already been inured to this right from an early age, whereas uh, many older investors have sort of come in going, okay, the stock market's a great game where you can make some quick buck. Well, you know, there's a counter-argument to what you just said. Good. I love a counter-argument. <laughs> and what you said is very pertinent. But the counter-argument would be that um, most older investors – certainly investors who have been, let's say, in the last 10 or 15 years, they've never seen a bear market. They don't even know what a bear market is. So they're accustomed to thinking, well, this trend is going to be up and maybe there'll be a little correction as there was in 2018. There was one day, and I think it was in February 2018, that the Dow went down 1,175 points in one single day. That was pretty frightening. But by and large, those folks have never been through a significant bear market. The younger people or the newer people, in a way, it's good for them to see this now because they will now be more fortified to know that there is such a thing as a bear market. And hopefully that will be etched up in their memory bank somewhere going forward. So they'll have that to draw upon in contrast to the people that said, I've never seen a bear market, I'm not acquainted with it whatsoever. That's the counter argument. And uh, many more have not even seen an interest rate, rising interest rate environment either. The rising interest rate is certainly having an effect on what's happening. Yeah. So let's uh, talk about the three main takeaways of your book. And there's three points here. The first one being always remain humble. Don't get caught up in the hubris of having picked a winner without having a planned exit point if the stock does a reversal. Yes. <laughs> It's very easy to get caught up in uh, congratulating yourself if you've had some success. 
And one example I like to use is like, you know, if let's say last year, your portfolio went up 20%, some people then are bragging about, well, gee, I'm really good at this. I made some picks and they turned out well, and my portfolio was up 20% last year. I'm hot stuff. And they may not even realize that the overall market was up 28%, you know. So you weren't as good as the general market. You were good with your 20%, but you didn't even match the 28%. So don't fool yourself. Don't deceive yourself into thinking that you're this great stock picker. Because in a way, what um, your good fortune was related to uh, the theme that a rising tide lifts all boats. You know that expression, a rising tide lifts all boats. So most everything went up last year. That's how we got 28%. So if you did your 20, that's great. But the rising tide lifted your boats along with all of the other boats. So be humble. Don't feel that you're great and that you're this terrific stock picker. And many so-called expert investors who know what they're doing and know what they're talking about, use that word, be humble. Don't be arrogant. Be able to recognize that there's so much you don't know and miss the market. I like to use that phrase, miss the market in a way has a mind of his own and he will throw his curveballs whenever he wants to throw his curveballs. And we're not necessarily prepared for that. So be prepared for the uncertainty and be humble about what you don't know. Be able to say, there's so much that I don't know. And that, that's okay. That's part of being an investor. And if, if my investments go according to that 9.6% average over time, I'm going to be in good shape. But be humble. Don't think of yourself as knowing more than you actually do know. And the second point is you can safeguard your capital by following a disciplined approach. And we discussed this before, that you have a predetermined amount that um, you're going to set as your sell level. And um, for most people, this would be a 10% would be a comfortable level. Yes. And I try to use that not only with selling your losses, but I try to use that sometimes also with selling your gains, meaning that cut your losses, cut your losses, cut your losses. That's my mantra. So if you're able to follow that principle and cut your losses, say at 10%, maybe that feels too tight, you may want to extend that more between 10 and 20%, whatever it is, invest the business daily periodical, very good periodical, they say 8%. That's the rule, 8%. Now that's very tight because things can go down 8% very quickly. It may not be comfortable for people to set that 8% level. So I think somewhere between 10 and 20%, depending on your individual circumstances, makes more sense on cutting your losses. But I also try to use it on the upside. So for example, if you're fortunate enough to have picked a winner and it's up between 20 and 30%, that might be a good time to sell and lock in your gain. Now, if you do that, you may lose out on another leg upward. But in general, I think that's worth it because you've locked in between 20 and 30% in your gain, and you've locked in your losses at somewhere between 10 and let's say 15%. So on balance, you're a winner. You're a winner by not losing too much, and you're a winner by taking your gains at a reasonable level. I may have mentioned this to you last time, one of the most famous uh, hedge fund entrepreneurs 
is uh, Stephen A. Cohen, who uh, you may have heard of, you probably have heard of, and now he's also the multi-million dollar owner of the New York Mets baseball team, which uh, is the team that I love and listen to and watch every day. And uh, we're having a very exciting season. But in his hedge fund, he has had numerous portfolio managers and he assigns to each manager, you will take care of this, you will take care of that, you'll take care of this. And what he found on balance is that if his portfolio managers have success between 55 and 60% of the time, he's very happy. And no one does 100%. No one gains 100%. No one has only winners. You have winners and you have losers. And you're hoping your winners are going to be winners, but things don't always work out that way. His portfolio managers who are very well-trained, if they have a uh, batting average of 55 to 60% success, he says, that's great. That makes me very happy. And that's made him very successful. And then the third takeaway is be attuned to the emotional factors and defense mechanisms that may be influencing your thinking, judgment, and decision-making ability. Yeah, there are all kinds of uh, emotional factors. And that's what my book is about. You know, my book is called Smart Money. There are a lot of books called Smart Money. But my Smart Money is about the emotional factors, is about the psychological factors that affect and influence how people make buy and sell decisions and the things that prompt people to trip over themselves, to get in their own way in the decisions that they're making. And so I've said that there's a cluster of you know the four most common self-defeating patterns. The subtitle of my book is A Psychologist's Guide to Overcoming Self-Defeating Patterns in Stock Market Investing. And the four most common patterns are buying high and selling low. We kind of things are going up and now they're higher and then we want to get and so we buy high and then it doesn't stay high or we sell low like now if people are selling now they may be selling closer to what will be the low. The second part is following the herd. If everyone else is buying stock XYZ, I want to do it too. I don't want to be left out of the gravy train. I don't want to be left out of the party. We call that FOMO, F-O-M-O, fear of missing out. Afraid that if I don't come in, like everyone else I know is coming in on stock X, Y, or Z, I will be left in the dust. I will be left behind. So that's the second factor. The third common self-defeating pattern is looking for the guru, looking for the next guru, the so-called expert that I'm going to connect with or affiliated with, maybe a financial advisor or someone else that I put on that pedestal. Some newsletter that you've signed up for or... Right, right. So looking for the next guru, and very often gurus have clay feet, so it doesn't always work out that way. And then the fourth pattern that is also self-defeating is very often staying too long with an unproductive financial advisor. I did a uh, search recently about how many people actually use financial advisors. I was surprised to see the result, which was that in the, in the U.S., and I get a lot of different studies, but there was like a, a 2019 survey done by CNBC that said only like only 1% of the U.S. population were using financial advisors. That seemed to be, to me, to be vastly understated. But when I did look at some other studies that showed maybe 38% 
of people using financial advisors. That's still very low, which means that more and more people are feeling they can do it more on their own or they're afraid to use financial advisors. Why are they afraid? I think they're afraid of the costs incurred and they're afraid about whether they can trust. Can they trust a financial advisor? And there are so many issues now that everyone is dealing with. Who can I trust? Can I trust the government? Can I trust this? Can I trust the financial advisor that come that come into play? And I think uh, the good news on that is hopefully some people are learning better how to trust themselves as well as a financial advisor if they feel that's the way they need to go. Fantastic, Stanley. Well, it's been great catching up with you again. And um, like I said, I want to highly recommend your book. Uh, Give us a title again, the full title. Smart Money, A Psychologist's Guide to Overcoming Self-Defeating Patterns in Stock Market Investing. Okay, and we'll put links in the episode notes and the blog post. And again, like I said, highly recommended. Stanley, it's been great having you back on again. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.